Hey there, it's Bria. Welcome to the next episode of In Not Of, the podcast. I've been wanting to talk about this topic for a while, but I wanted to get a few episodes down before I delved into it because it's pretty abstract. So we're on our fourth episode and I thought now would be a good time to talk about what do I actually mean by In Not Of? What's the meaning behind the name that I chose for this podcast? So a couple of disclaimers before I even get into it. Um, One, yes, it is a reference to a very popular Bible verse that if you were raised Christian, you've probably heard quoted many times, but I am not a pastor, nowhere even close to being a pastor. I also kind of, I guess I see religion and religious beliefs as kind of existing on the spectrum from public to private. Like, I know that some people's approach to their religious belief is very, um, like, go out and convince the world to join you. And that's something that, I guess, doesn't really resonate with my own personal approach to religion. For me, my relationship with religion is kind of fundamentally more of a private thing than it is public and it skews more private on that spectrum. So this whole idea of speaking my own interpretation of a religious text aloud and the idea that other people would take it as anything other than a snapshot of how my brain is processing that information at that particular moment doesn't really compute. Um, all of that is a really long way of saying that the way that you interpret this and the way that I interpret this probably will be very different. And that is extremely okay. And the last disclaimer, last but not least, because I think it's very important. I know some people sometimes bristle when they see the Bible brought up because it has been used to harm them. Um, specifically marginalized people and very specifically what I'm thinking about right now is the black LGBTQIA plus community. Um, I just want to get out of the way. Please rest assured that I am not that person who is going to use any sort of religious text against you. I can speak only for myself And for myself and my faith in an intentional, powerful, and loving God, my faith is fundamentally incompatible with homophobia and transphobia. So you're not going to get that here. I just wanted to get that out of the way before I dive into the topic. So if you're still here after hearing me talk about all this Bible verse stuff, Yes, the name of my podcast is a reference to a very often quoted piece of scripture from the New Testament of the Bible. So I'll just read it for you here. It's from the English Standard Version because that's what I've been reading. And it's John 17 verses 15 through 16. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So this is actually a prayer of Jesus. Um, And in the context of the prayer, he's praying not only for his disciples, but also for himself, which I found just interesting. 
I'll talk more about how I interpret it. But first, I wanted to touch on how it often gets interpreted for me or how I'm expected to interpret it. If you also grew up Christian, you are probably familiar with the phrase in the world, but not of the world. And a common way that that is interpreted is the idea of being, I guess, sort of fundamentally set apart from a world that is kind of by nature bad. Like there's a judgment call in the way this is usually talked about, I guess, Um, that you, a Christian, are in this crappy place known as the world, but you are apart from it. And honestly, you're kind of better than it. And because you are better than the world, you're called to act like it. You're called to hold yourself to a higher standard. I guess something I get, I think something that I struggle with a little bit when it comes to this is me personally, I find it hard to know what that looks like. So like when you're a kid It might be, oh, if other kids bully someone on the playground, you need to be the bigger person and you should stand up for people. Um, But it just gets really murky for me. If you, like me, like to have instructions or really clear, like, guidance on what to do, I imagine that you also might struggle a bit with trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean? For example, when you become a teenager and you're hormonal, well, okay, is kissing worldly? Like, is that fundamentally bad? If it's bad, why does everybody go through it? Is there something about being human that is just by nature bad and worldly and not of God and what does that mean I think that's where things get difficult somewhere along the line you have to reckon with how do I know what is the world and what's not who's going to tell me what's bad and what's normal and what's good not to mention that even to get to that point you do have to accept the statement I guess that the world is a bad place and to be fair you don't have to believe in any religion at all to come to the conclusion that the world is a bad place and people have been coming to that conclusion for a long time with evidence being look at all these bad things in the world but I think Something that, something that I struggle with is having to be in the position of trying to figure out, am I one of those bad things? Am I one of the bad things in the world or am I a good thing? And I think that is something that can be particularly difficult for people like myself who are very inclined to try to categorize things. Or to get somebody else to categorize them for them. Nuance can be kind of difficult. And 
one of the reasons that I have struggled with this for so long is because it's hard for me to wrap my head around the concept of both. And so I just want somebody to tell me what's bad and what's good. At the same time, though, I really struggle to accept when I disagree with someone's assessment of what belongs in what category. And I think that there's also some, I know that there's also some danger in an obsessive need to categorize things in that way, in a very binary black and white way. And I know that that has been used against people. I know that the urge to categorize things into good and bad, worldly and godly, righteous and not righteous has been used to harm people. I know that a lot of this language is used to condemn members of the LGBT QIA plus community, for example, or even I noticed this myself. um, And it's what makes it so hard to like find safe spaces online, but even places that kind of, you know, give off the imagery and the language of being an inclusive space are really, really not inclusive at all. There are a lot of corners of the internet where it might look like somebody is welcoming and accepting, but they still are pushing very anti-LGBTQIA plus rhetoric. They still are pushing the gender binary and the idea of natural gender roles very hard. They are not at all open to the idea that, for example, being gay or bisexual is part of who you are and not this sin that you keep doing, which mind boggles me. Um, and even I've even read articles of people who are like trying to be accepting and they're still like, oh, well, God hates the sin, but loves a sinner. And I'm like, this person being in love with this other person and just living their life is a sin. But just suffice it to say that I recognize how this, when put in the hands of flawed human beings, people who are uncomfortable with things that deviate from their expectation or their interpretation of how they think the world should be or how they think that life should work. Suffice it to say that I think that there are people who take this concept and abuse it or use it to abuse others or even use it to abuse themselves. And a big thing that I wanted to try to explore with this podcast is being thoughtful and intentional about how I approach my need to categorize 
things as good or bad. I wanted to just take a step back and apply an inclusive lens to the idea of being in but not of. I wanted to muse on what it means to be surrounded by something but not defined by it. In the description that I wrote for this podcast, I wrote, I want to welcome you to a space where together we can think aloud on what it looks like to be surrounded by something without being defined by it. I'll muse on uncoupling identity from experiences, being in struggle but not of it, in an unjust world but knowing that what you are made for is so much more than that and so multifaceted. If you find peace in taking an inclusive lens to the idea of being in the world but not of it, I welcome you. And I just wanted to use this episode to dig a little deeper into why that resonated with me in the first place and also just a snapshot in time right now of how I think about that. And I hope that it will evolve the longer that I do this podcast and just the longer that I'm on this earth in this world. One thing that has also been on my mind when it comes to the idea of in not of is it's so often used to describe being surrounded by something bad or some sort of bad influence and being, I guess, untainted by it. And when I think about the idea of being in but not of, I also I'm trying to challenge myself to think about what it means to not be defined by what I'm surrounded by, whether it's good or bad. Um, So not necessarily just like you're surrounded by evil and you're expected to be untouched by that evil, but also just about what it looks like to be experiencing something and recognizing that it is a transient, ephemeral state of being rather than a defining trait of who I am as an individual. So yeah, a lot of the time I think of being in but not of in relation to struggle or financial hardship or illness or injury. But what does it look like to also apply this idea of being in but not of to the things that we are drawn and expected to take all of this pride in and internalize as aspects of ourselves. So what does it look like to think of yourself as in a high-paying, prestigious job or career without having that define who you are as a person? And if you were to not have that job or have to take a pay cut or something, to not have that just wreck your identity, you know? Or the colleges that we go to, the universities that we go to, or the prestigious programs that we get into. What does it look like to decouple those from our identity? To recognize that I'm going to be at this university for four years and I'm going to have to figure out who I was before I got here and who I'm going to be 
after I leave. Like, yeah, you're still going to be an alumni. You're still going to have this accomplishment. But is it the essence of who you are or is it one thing that you did? Would you still be, would I still be Bria if I didn't have this impressive resume, for example? For so long, I think I have really defined myself in terms of where I am, whether that be life stage, I'm engaged, I'm a newlywed, I'm in my senior year of college at UC Berkeley, whether that be physical location, I'm going to LA to pursue fashion school. This is like this fundamental shift in my identity. And now I'm switching to the version of Bria that's going to be successful and not bored in my town. Status, you know, whether I'm in a Tesla, whether I'm working for a company with a big name in a certain tax bracket. And those are all really just places that I've been in, whether in an abstract way or in terms of my mindset. And right now I'm really wrestling with the idea that these things are, like everything else in the world, by nature, temporary. You know, one day UC Berkeley is going to be an ancient ruin with, like, robot archaeologists sifting through dust. And no one's going to remember how prestigious a university it was. Or on a smaller scale, one day somebody is going to be reading my obituary. And it's not going to mention the make, model, and gear of the car that I currently drive. That's not going to be this big part of the story of who I was. And, you know, it's okay to be excited and proud of where you are. This is also a fundamentally human thing. You know, we celebrate people when they're graduating. We celebrate when people are getting married because it's exciting. And I've been thinking about this in particular with regard to relationship status. I had a long engagement. I got married in March of 2023, but I had a long engagement due to a lot of factors, including needing to save up, um, buying a house while being engaged, uh, just a lot of stuff. And something that I tried to keep in mind especially because my initial reaction to the idea of having a long engagement was kind of negative. I just wanted to, you know, be married and have a wedding. Something that I had to learn was this, that it was okay to relish in the state of being engaged, even though the, by nature it is a transitory state in the overall course of your relationship with your spouse. Um. And I think it's okay to celebrate those temporary states. But for me, it's striking a balance between appreciating a beautiful thing in the moment, not being so afraid of what's next that you can't enjoy that time, and not being so hyper-focused on getting to what's next that you don't enjoy the time. But also trying not to get attached or so attached to the version of you that's in that moment that you can't see any other version of yourself. Something that my dad has been saying about me since I was a very small child 
is that I'm always rushing to the next stage of my life. And, you know, it keeps it keeps happening. When I was in high school, I could not wait to like go away to fashion school. When I was in fashion school, I just wanted to be like a normal, regular adult. Um, once I was a regular adult, I needed to be in a relationship. And then I wanted to be married, all of these things. Um, and that's not how time works. So I'm trying to I think I've had some success recently and I'm still working on it, but I'm trying to reconnect with that same little girl who has grown into this woman that I am now and connect with the core of who she was and who I am. Who was I and who will I be outside of the need to, this desperate need, I guess, to grasp onto a label or an easy categorization. At the time that I outlined this episode, I was in a season of real struggle. I still am in a season of struggle, but I feel more optimistic. But I was talking to my sister about how much I just wanted to be the version of myself on the other side of it. Like how I was just so over being in struggle and I wanted to be the version of me that grew from the adversity and learned from the hardship and yada 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 like I everything past tense you know I wanted to be the version of me that was explaining what I went through past tense and how I made it through but the state of being in the struggle I just I was tired of it I was sick of it I didn't even want to like think about it anymore I was checked out of it And so I definitely understand that urge, but it was a really simplistic way of thinking about my life and of looking at things. I was defining an imaginary finish line and treating all of the in-between as noise, as an inconvenience. And I'm not fully on the other side of all of this struggle quite yet. So it's still hard for me to wrap my head around, but that in-between is life. This hasn't been wasted time. This hasn't been a wasted summer of my life. And it's been so hard. It's been so challenging and scary. And I want to be the kind of woman who doesn't see hard, scary, inconvenient, difficult moments as moments that I wish I hadn't lived. And that's, that's hard for me to wrap my head around, I guess. I, maybe that's the first time I'm actually admitting out loud that I, don't regret going through really difficult things. Um, I'm just processing this really slowly because I, I'm processing this really slowly because I didn't think that I would ever be the kind of person who wanted anything other than an absolutely perfect life. And I think At my big age, I'm just now realizing that a perfect life doesn't 
exist. And if the alternative is, do you want to be alive experiencing things? Or do you want to be a fictional character with a perfect life? I really am recently feeling like I'd rather be alive and experiencing things. That's a conversation for my therapist because, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to have that thought. But anyway, back to what I was saying is I feel like I used to treat the in-between moments of life as noise, a waiting room. And now I'm realizing that those in-between moments are also life. Today, right now, recording this in my car, broke and stressed. This is still my life and I'm still blessed to be here. And I have to believe that struggle is something I am going through. It's something I am experiencing, but it is not who I am. I'm in the struggle, but not of the struggle. And if I really believe that, then I have to believe that there's some value in sharing my work in progress self, my unfinished self, the version of Bria that's still figuring it out. Because that's who, that's who I will always be. I will always be a work in progress. And I'm a work in progress right now. To some extent, maybe it is natural to think, I'm in this awful situation, please just get me out of it. I have this great circumstance, let this be part of my story forever. But I'm trying to push back a little on that urge and be intentional about how I look at my life. I'm currently going through some economic hardship and I think maybe four or five times this week, I said, I just want my life back. And it's difficult, but sometimes necessary to break down what I mean by that. So someone finally asked me, what does having your life back look like? And I think I literally said more money, but is that my life more money? Or is it maybe a thing that I am going to pursue because it provides things that I want and need, but the absence of it doesn't mean that I'm living this fake nightmare version of my life in between now and when I get that. I've said things like, I feel like I'm tired of being Bria in the part of the movie where she's pinching pennies and stressed, but I'm not in a movie, I'm in my life. And as much as I want to tell myself that the bad parts are someone else's or have my stunt double do them, they're also my life. And I do myself a disservice when I start to get into this mindset of this part isn't what I want, so I'll just hibernate and pretend it's not happening until it's over. When things are hard, I often feel this urge to shrink into myself, to take Bria and condense myself into something compact and stash it away for later, open it back up at a more convenient moment. But I'm not a pack of freeze-dried ice cream. Do you guys remember the freeze-dried ice cream from like the um, like science museum gift shops? <laughs> In my journal, I wrote, I intend to nourish myself like a garden to allow myself to be growing in more than one direction at once. I can look at my own aversion to change and risk, 
and not see this fatal flaw. Just one thing that I might have to work at a little harder than some others. I can let go of the idea that I am fundamentally weak. I can be in a moment of weakness without that meaning that I am weak. I can be powerful and I can lean on those who give me power. Thinking back to that verse, when I hear, keep them from the evil one, I think, okay, well, what does that look like for me? And what can it look like for people who don't share my faith? Um, Because I know like the evil one can be like a phrase that has people like, what? Um, But really, I guess one of the biggest ways this is resonating for me right now is the idea of being protected from lies about who you are and maybe that's through your faith or maybe it's through building and cultivating a strong sense of personal identity maybe it's both for me it's probably both um but i think one of the scariest things in this life is the feeling of being bought into someone telling you this is who you are because this is how i see you it's one of the most insidious ways of controlling a person and it's why I think things like racism and transphobia do so much long-term damage um and I also think it's why people in the religious community I think have a lot of work to do because if you're telling folks God loves you but you're also telling them their identity is something God doesn't recognize how is that going to make sense to them? How is that going to make sense to me? I also think I'm thinking about the part of the verse where Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of this world. And, you know, sometimes I look at that and I think, why not? Like, isn't the world kind of mid at best on its best days? Sometimes the world just feels like a party where someone's playing like, too much cornball music and you just like exchange a silent look with your friend that's like "Mm, i'm ready to go whenever you are but there's value in us being here there's there's value in me being here i am loved and i am loving i am here because i have love left to give and love left to receive and when i think about the idea of in not of if i'm if i'm trying to break down okay well what am i actually made of i think love is a fundamental part of what i am made of i think it's a constant and it's always going to be a part of who i am and it's always going to be a part of what i have to give and what i have to share If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you for sticking with me. I know if you are religious, there is a chance that my understanding of this topic isn't exactly like yours. And if you're not a spiritual person, this may have just felt like listening to me talk. But I do hope that no matter who you are, you feel empowered to own who you are. And so to close this out, I just wanted to leave you with a couple of things to think about. The first is, what is something that you are in right now, that you're experiencing right now, that you feel a strong urge to wrap up as part of your identity? Would you still be you 
if you weren't there right now. Um, and the next one is, what is something that you know fervently is not what you are made of? Is it self-doubt? Is it being judgmental, unkindness towards yourself or others? And recognizing that maybe that doesn't mean you are never in those moments, but being able to speak aloud or write down, this is not what I am made of, I think is really powerful, even if it's just for yourself. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to episode four of In Not Of. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow um, this podcast on Spotify, or I'm also now putting the episodes up on YouTube. So you can also subscribe on YouTube.